Hey, this is Micah Bosworth. I'm the pastor here at Ridgepoint, and this is our sermon podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this is an encouragement to you. Hope it helps to build your faith. And I hope it helps you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Go ahead and turn to James chapter 1. We'll get there uh, in just a moment. We're going to finish out uh, the chapter, the first chapter of James this morning. And uh, this morning's message is, is going to be very practical. It's just going to be uh, really right in line, word by word. I don't do this often as we uh, go through books of the Bible where I kind of take apart the wording itself. Uh, and, and really, it's very rare that I only take one or two verses at a time. Normally, we're going through a, a whole paragraph or so. But I, I believe that what we're going to see in these two verses this morning help us to, uh, to springboard into where James is going. James is about to talk a little bit about being respecters of persons and, uh, and uh, how we serve people in the church, who we look to uh, for, uh, for notoriety in the church and uh, who we uh, try to do our best for. And oftentimes it's not the one that we're supposed to be uh, doing our best for or our service for, but it's uh, the people who we think can give us the most can give our church the most, whatever that might be. There are hidden motives behind that uh, oftentimes. And then James is going to get, as he continues in James chapter two, uh, talking about our works and how we work out our salvation, how, we, uh, how the fact that we are saved is going to produce some kind of living. And we go through that in uh, chapter number two. And then he gets in chapter number three and starts talking a little bit about our tongue. And, and how we should control our tongue and how though we have such a small member of our body uh, right there in our mouth, uh, how great a fire, he says, it can cause and start. And uh, the reason I bring those things up is because uh, James in these two verses gives us a little bit of, uh, of an introduction to those thoughts uh, and, and at the same time gives us a transition uh, from the previous thoughts that he just gave us. Uh, James is one of those, Paul, if you read the New Testament and you read the, the books of Paul's that he wrote, you'll often find run-on sentences galore. I mean, there are, if you read them, uh, the, he, go, he starts a sentence and it's like he doesn't know where to end it because he's so excited about what he's talking about with God. And so he just keeps adding to it without punctuation. And uh, it makes it kind of hard, if, especially if you're looking at it in the Greek, uh, to just follow his whole train of thought uh, there that he's trying to give because he gives the, he's like, oh, and by the way, which is this? And he puts it in parentheses. And I mean, it's just craziness. James seems to be a little more meticulous, kind of like Luke. Luke was a doctor, so he was very meticulous. Uh, but James here, he seems to be very meticulous in how he transitions from thought to thought to thought. And so I want us to see this morning, these two verses, how, uh, how he transitions from what we just came from and gets into what we're about to just go in in a, in a great way. And I want to do it by breaking up these verses and giving us some thoughts from it. And, uh, and, and really just the, the title of the message is Proud Religion Versus Pure Religion. Okay, he, He's going to give us some thoughts on how we live the Christian life through one of two motives, really. Uh, and it's uh, selfish prideful motive, or it's a pure, humble, 
uh, and, and loving motive. And, uh, and we're going to break it down uh, in a few statements for us this morning. But let's go to James chapter 1, if you're there, James uh, 1, 26 and 27. The Bible says this. It says, If any among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Heavenly Father, we come to you one last time and we just want to ask God, would you speak to us? Lord, would you use your word to infiltrate our hearts and our own motives? Lord, help us to examine ourselves this morning under the light of your word. God, would you help us to see the right way of living, Lord, the, the a way of action that is produced out of a pure heart. Lord, would you help uh, in any way that you speak to us this morning? Would you help give us the grace and the strength that we need to respond to you and to how you've spoken to us? And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. The, uh, the book of James, like I said, it has great transition statements. And uh, or even if it's not transition statements, a transition thought. And we've gone over so far. Uh, James, this is kind of the thought process that we, we have going into it. James, he says this. He says, uh, God is trying to work in you through your trials towards spiritual maturity. Okay, you remember us talking about that, that everything that we go through, the purpose is being more like Jesus Christ. That's Romans 8, 28. We quote it all the time, uh, that God uh, works all things out for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. What's that predestination? Being like Jesus Christ, right? That's what he's talking about. Uh, So God is using the trials that we have and the afflictions that we have to produce within us spiritual maturity. And James says, because of that, rejoice in this fact. Though it's a hard time, you don't like what you're going through, rejoice in the fact that God is bringing something about in your life and submit to that working in your life. And understand, then he says, when you're going through the trial, temptations are gonna come. Uh, Satan, he's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And uh, he's not looking, if you watch a lion, they're, they're not looking for the strongest one in the pack. They're looking for the weak one, right, to chase after. Satan sees when you're vulnerable. You're in the midst of a trial. No, temptation's going to come. He's going to try to kick you while you already are down, so to say. And so you need to be on guard for that. And James says, don't blame God for that temptation to sin. He wants you to be free from sin. Don't blame him for it and don't give in. Go to him instead for good gifts. Go to him for wisdom. Go to him for uh, these good gifts. And the, the goodest gift, okay, the best gift, okay, I like making up words sometimes. The goodest gift that God has given to us is his word. I mean, he, his son and his word are the best gifts he has ever given to us. Salvation and then uh, his literal word to us on how to live and how to respond to what he has done for us. And so James says, because he's given you that word, be, be ready to listen to it. Be ready to uh, act upon it and, and get into what he has done. Obey, listen to and obey his word. Last week, one of the statements I love that Dan brought in his message uh, with that was uh, that, we, that hearing the word is insufficient. But then he said this, but so is doing. 
So doing, only doing the word is also insufficient. A lot of times when we hear that passage of scripture, be doers of the word, not hearers only, we focus a lot on, don't just hear the word, be doers, be doers, be doers. And it's like James understands that as Christians, our natural tendency when we hear things like that is to go into a checklist and to, and to start uh, uh, applying everything that we hear and, and then make, turning that into our spirituality, turning that into our righteousness, because the next thing he says, after be doers of the word, but now, now that doesn't negate being hearers. That, that, that thought is you should still be ingesting and, and, uh, and studying and uh, meditating on and hearing the word of God and then do what you uh, hear and what you see in the word of God. He says, but don't make that your heart's motive. Don't make doing your only heart's motive. Uh, he, he goes right into it. He says, if any among you seem to be religious. Uh, so it, it, the religious acts that he's talking about here, when he talks about being, seeming to be religious, he's, he's specifically talking with that word about external actions. Uh, and, and that's important because the next time he uses the word religion, he means something else. We're going to talk about that in a second. He's saying anyone who is doing these things like they're supposed to, they're being doers of the word, they're following through with what they know they're supposed to do, they seem to be religious, but they don't control their tongue. They don't bridle their tongue. This is a proud man. This is a proud uh, religion. Uh, and, and so I want us to see as we unpack what he says about proud religion. He he's, first of all tells us that proud religion can be any of us, okay? Proud religion can be any of us. He says, uh, if, any among, if any man among you, okay? He says, if any man, anyone can find themselves follow, just following through the motions, just doing what they're supposed to do. This can happen to anyone. But not only uh, can it be any of us, he says it can be among us. Proud religion can be among us. Uh, he isn't saying to them, hey, these groups of people outside of you that just do motions and don't actually mean what they're uh, saying and don't, like, it, 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 he could have very easily pointed to the Pharisees, right? Just as Jesus did. He says, don't be as the hypocrites do. But he doesn't say that. He says, hey, if any of you if any among you, none of you are immune to it, and even in the midst of the people of Jesus Christ, it can become a thing where people are just going through the motions. They're just, uh, they're living a proud religion. So understand, it can be any of you, and it can be among you, but proud religion is ultimately just a facade. Uh, he, he says, uh, it, it's fake. If any among you seem to be religious, the word the, the way we know he's talking about a fake or a facade is he says the word seem to be religious. Seem to be religious. It, it, it's, uh, it's something that looks like it's righteous, but isn't actually righteous on the inside. Uh, how many have, has anyone ever been to a movie set of any kind or a TV set? Maybe Universal Studios. Sometimes if you go to Universal Studios, you can do a behind-the-scenes thing and see movie sets or TV sets. And uh, I'll never forget the first time I saw behind-the-scenes of a, of a TV set. Uh, it was a documentary-type thing. They were showing different uh, famous shows, and uh, I felt betrayed 
honestly, when I, when I was looking at, I had, I had invested all my heart and life, it seemed, into this TV show, and, uh, and come to find out, they weren't even actually in a school the whole time, it was just a TV set, and the stairs that they walked up went to nothing, uh, as many uh, people, uh, in the, it was popular in the 90s, the show Friends, you'd, you'd have this little hallway with the two doors that went into the office, or offices, uh, into their uh, apartments, but if you go right around the corner, which they oftentimes did to leave to go do things, it went right into a wall. I felt betrayed when I found out about that. I thought that they blocked off, you know, like a whole block of New York City and filmed this every single week or something. And, uh, and the idea that James is giving us is this. Uh, proud religion looks great, okay? It looks the part. When you're watching a TV show, it doesn't even seem like it's fake, seems like they're in a house. It seems like they're in a school. It seems like they're actually in the jungle, okay? Uh, but oftentimes, it's just a facade. It's, it's artificial. It's not actually what it looks to be. This proud religion, it's completely artificial. It's, it's not anywhere close to reality. It, uh, it is completely appearance only, but there's no substance beneath it. Beneath it. And that's the word seem. This man uh, who is uh, uh, practicing proud religion, this man is concerned with appearing to walk, God, walk with God, but not actually to pr- have a producing walk with God. Uh, to seem outwardly to everyone else that he is righteous, but inwardly he is not. Proud religion, it's a facade, it's also impressive. It's fake, but it's impressive. <laughs> I mean, you look at someone who seems like they have everything going on and they're the right way and they're doing everything that they're supposed to do. It really looks real. But, <laughs> but the reality is behind it uh, is, is nothing, is emptiness. Uh, the, and, and the reality is this too. When we're living proud religion, we're actually working harder to produce a facade then we would be working to actually just live in authenticity with the Lord, right? It, it's so, I, I think all of us have probably at some point in our life, whether it's in high school, uh, elementary school, school is a, a great place that it normally takes place, but even in the church uh, where you live to put on a certain type of facade, you want people to think you're the cool person, you want people to think you're, uh, you're smart, whatever the case might be, and you put on the facade that, proves that to people, but behind, you know nothing about that. I've, I've shared the illustration before of my poser days as a skateboarder. I, I, I looked old apart, but behind closed doors, uh, if you tried to watch me do anything on that skateboard, it was laughable. I couldn't do anything because it was uh, completely uh, fake, but in front of people, it looked impressive. Uh, I knew all the lingo. They thought I knew how to do an aerial kickflip on that half pipe. If I would have, I would have killed myself, right? Uh, It looked impressive, it sounded impressive, but behind, it was actually nothing. I've been been in churches where this is the case where uh, everyone knows that the facade is the most important thing, so they dress the part, they uh, speak the lingo, they condemn others who are different, and the outward show is really important, but there is no thought given to the heart. And James is saying, this isn't how it's supposed to be. That's why it's so refreshing to me uh, here in this church at Ridge Point, we're we're all messed up and we know it, right? Uh, I love uh, at small groups, especially when we get uh, together and we start to uh, just share what's going on in our lives. It's like you go through that too. 
Man, I love it. Uh, That's what James is saying. Not putting on the show where everyone looks at you and goes, man, they got it figured out. I don't. But that we all share each other's faults and we share each other's burdens uh, um, amongst each other. But proud religion itself, uh, it is impressive to look at. Man, they've got it. They know how it Uh, how it's supposed to be. It's convincing. It looks real. We think uh, many times that uh, people are right on target. I heard this illustration this week and our pastor's conference. We were listening to Tony Evans on Monday night and he shared this illustration of a man who went to go uh, go to see his uh, friend at his uh, farm and he hadn't seen him in quite a while and as he's driving up uh, on his farm out uh, to the house he passes by the barn and he looks at the barn and he notices that the barn has been used for target practice he's like whoa that's kind of crazy I I need to go look at that and he drives over to the barn to look at it and he says he uh, sees 20 targets okay 20 targets 20 bullseyes right in the middle of the targets just as they're supposed to be and a hole right in the middle of the bullseye in all 20 targets. And he's like, man, who has been, who's been doing this? Excellent marksmanship, whoever this is. I gotta ask my friend. And he gets up to the house and in the midst of their talking, he remembers, oh, hey, I, I meant to ask you about your barn. Uh, th- someone's been using it for target practice and they seem to be really good. Who's been doing that? He's like, oh, I have. He's like, well, how did you do that? And he goes, I just painted the targets after I shot. <laughs> And uh, the, the truth, the reality is this, uh, oftentimes we know how to make it look like we're on target in life, right? We, we, it seems uh, uh, like we're right in the middle of the bullseye. We're right where God wants us to be. We know how to look and act a certain way in order for it to look like we're on target, but really we're just good painters. I think of what uh, Jesus said about the Pharisees. He said, uh, you all are like whited, uh, whitewashed tombs where the tombs inside, they're full of dead men's bones. They're, they're disgusting inside, but they look good on the outside. Why? A painter came and painted them all, whitewashed them. He says, uh, it, it, James is saying it's, it's like that. Proud religion, it, it looks good. It's convincing. It's impressive, but, uh, but it's not actually on target. It's just a show. And then he says this, proud religion is exposed by arrogant speech. Proud religion seems to always betray itself in this way. The person can't control their tongue. <laughs> they, they are very boastful and they must be heard. They, they're the person that in every situation knows exactly what you're talking about, knows exactly the answer. In every, I'm, not, I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about like in their area of expertise, you ask them anything, they know it. No, no, no. I'm talking about everything. You know this person, right? We all know this person. That anywhere you go, everywhere you are, they, they have the answer. They know what to say. They, and it all, these, these people, especially in the church, uh, the, these people that always have the answer and think that, that everyone needs to hear what they've got to say about that issue, uh, it it's, it's, the, it's the telltale mark, James says, of something probably actually worse going on behind the scenes, not a pure motive, but a proud motive of proud religion, that uh, someone has arrogant speech. He's always the man who, uh, who has, he needs people to be impressed with what he says and how spiritual he is, and he wants everyone to know that he knows what he's talking about. Uh, he can't control his tongue. And then he says this, a proud religion is self-deceptive. It's self-deceptive. He says, ultimately, those who are living out this proud religion, they start to believe their own lie that they're spiritual. 
He says, deceiving themselves. Uh, deceiveth his own heart. It, it's, uh, he's worked so hard to cover uh, the sin behind closed doors or the, uh, the uh, lack of a walk with God. He's, he's tried so hard to cover that by these outward external uh, actions that he actually in himself thinks himself to be spiritual. He has deceived himself to think that he is spiritual in this way. It's so easy for us to do this. I feel like especially people who are in ministry, they they live a life that necessitates being around the Bible. Being around the Bible all the time, studying the Bible, uh, talking about the Bible, uh, giving uh, certain verses to people, uh, people ask you questions about the Bible. You're, you're just constantly inundated with the scriptures. It, your job necessitates that you be around scripture. And, and often it, it can happen where a pastor can convince himself that he has a close personal walk with God because he preaches the word of God every week or he tells people about the word of God every week. But it actually has just become a thing that he does for show in front of people. That uh, what he does in front of people has just become what he does and everyone is looking at him for spiritual guidance so that's what he's going to do. But the motive behind it is not uh, I love God and I'm growing myself in the word. It's I am the pastor and people need to hear from me the word. And so they get up uh, sometimes and go, go. this goes on so long that sometimes even pastors, we're not immune to it. James says, if any man among you, even a pastor can be susceptible to then deceiving himself to believe that he's spiritual. And it's interesting that James uses this phrase twice. A few verses earlier, he says, those that hear the word only, they're not doers, they deceive themselves. They deceive themselves thinking that they're spiritual because they heard the word. They filled up on the word, so they're spiritual, but they didn't, it didn't produce an action within them. They're deceiving their, themselves. And then here he says, and the people who do all of the action but don't actually have an ingesting of the word, don't actually have all of the things, uh, that uh, uh, pure motives behind that, uh, that action, that those people are deceiving themselves. You can deceive yourselves on both ends, he said. You can deceive yourself thinking, I'm always around the word, I'm always uh, in the word, I'm always uh, at small group, I'm always there on Sunday morning, I'm lifting my hands to sing, I'm, I'm doing all of those things. So that obviously means that I'm spiritual and you be- begin to believe that lie. Or on the opposite end, that... Um, that you can uh, not just be doing a bunch of things, but that you can just be around it and think that you're spiritual as a result, but it's not actually producing any of those actions. So it, it, what, what James is telling us is it's very easy if you don't keep your heart, like he says in the next verse, if you don't keep your heart, if you don't guard, then you're going to uh, uh, eventually end up in a place where you think yourself to be spiritual, but behind closed doors and behind really the heart motive, there's uh, just pride there. It's not actually pure motives. Because proud religion is all about external appearances. The, the next port, uh, verse, or the next line that he says is, this man's religion is in vain. Now that word religion that he uses there is talking about external uh, practices. Whereas the first one that he's talking about, I think I said it the other way around a second ago, but um, this one that he's talking about is talking about external uh, practices, but the first one that he says, if any man seem to be religious, is talking about an awe of God, a, a worship of God. So what he's saying here is that you're faking an awe and worship of God 
through external practices, through external appearances and good works. Proud uh, religion, what he's saying is proud religion focuses more on what I'm doing than on who God is. That, that's really where proud religion comes down to. I'm, I'm focused more on what I'm doing and making sure that I'm, I'm uh, checking all of the uh, boxes than I am concerned with who God is and, and developing a close relationship to him and who I am as a result of who he is and what he's done in my life. Proud religion uh, is all about external appearances and not about the heart. And then ultimately he says proud religion is empty. It's, it's vain. The word vain, in the Greek, it literally means this, absent of force, truth, success, or results. If these good works, these religious acts are not flowing from purity, but it's flowing from pride, James says it's powerless, there's no force behind it. There's certainly not God's force behind those actions. It produces no success and it produces no lasting results. It, it will ultimately just burn up. It, it, it's that wood, hay, and stubble that Paul talks about that it goes into the fi- fire and it's gone. It, it, it's, it, there's nothing substantial behind it to keep it going in the midst of that fire. And so he says it's empty. Ultimately, you live this proud religion, it's going to end up empty. There's no force or power behind this type of living in the Christian life. Proud religion, it's where someone is not actually right with God, but they're doing religious things in order to appear righteous. It's like what Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount, hypocrites. He used that word hypocrites a lot in the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, back then, that word, the word that he used wasn't a derogatory term as we say it now. Hypocrites now is is like, you call someone a hypocrite, that's a big thing. You're, you're calling them a very derogatory term. Back then, the word he used just meant actor. Someone who plays a part. Someone who stands on a stage, puts a mask on, mask on and plays a different part than who they actually are. That, that's what James is talking about here, that proud religion, that, that type of, uh, of works-based sanctification or works-based Uh, Christian living with no regard for an actual personal relationship to God or who he is and what he wants you to be doing. You're you're just doing it to be uh, appear righteous before man. If that's how it's uh, being lived out, then you're just an actor. You're just playing a part with nothing substantial actually behind it. But then James, he contrasts that with the next verse of pure religion. Pure religion, he says, is genuine it's clean, it's free from corruption, it's undefiled, he says. Here he's not talking about the actions themselves, he's talking about the sincerity and the authenticity of your love and awe for God. The, the religion that he first mentions that says someone seems to be in awe of God, but it's just external actions, he says the pure religion is an actual awe of God, an actual love and worship and sincerity before the Lord. It's genuine. And then he says pure religion is concerned with God's view. With God's view, It's before him. I'm concerned with what God thinks about my life. I'm concerned more about what he thinks than anyone else. Listen, don't worry about what your pastor thinks of you, okay? Don't, don't worry about uh, what, uh, what I think of what you're doing. Listen, I'm not here to, I'm not judging you. I'm not 
comparing myself with you. I'm not saying, well, you're not up to my standard or, or the other way around. I'm not up to your standard. I, I'm here praying for you, loving uh, you. And, and, and honestly, I'm just on this road that James tells us uh, to be on where I'm, I'm trying to ingest the word and apply the word to my own life. And at the same time, I'm praying that you all come alongside and we all do the same thing, that we ingest the word of God, that we uh, invest our time into it, and then that we apply it in that way. Uh, but, but don't be concerned with what your pastor thinks or what other people in your church might think. Be more concerned with what God thinks. The, the thing that pulls you forward in the Christian life should not be, am I going to be accepted in my church? Because the answer is, am I going to be accepted in my church? Yes but not by anything that you do, not by how much you give, but by who you are in Jesus Christ. Because each and every one of us uh, have the same Christ within us, you are accepted. We're accepted in the beloved. We're accepted in Christ, so you are accepted here. But Satan would love, Satan would love to, when we, when we uh, are, are tempted or we are drawn away of our own lusts, as James says, we get off course. Satan would love to come in and say, well, don't go to church. They're way better than you. You go that you know that person. They've got it figured out. They have the perfect family. He seems to know the word of God. He seems to walk with God. So don't go there. You're just going to be shamed. When that's the very place you should be. Why? Because as we're going to see in a moment, uh, we're supposed to carry one another's burdens, confess each other's faults before each other, and help each other to move forward. In, uh, in light of what God has told us to do, genuine, authentic Christianity is all of us focusing more on what God thinks than anyone else and just helping each other and pointing each other to him. That's what pure religion is. Pure religion, it grows in a real relationship. It's not just concerned with God's view, but it, is, it grows in a real relationship with him. He says that uh, the pure religion and undefiled before God, uh, and he says, and the Father, those who are living uh, uh, the life of pure religion, uh, pure motives behind what they do, are living in light of the fact I have a relationship with God the Father. It's not just he is my ruling king and I just do everything that he says. He is my father. I can go to him for guidance, for help. A lot of people in today's day and age, uh, especially in America, it's hard for them to grasp the, the idea of a good father because of their own personal home, whether that's uh, the, uh, a bad father that they grew up or, or no father. It's, it's hard for a lot of people to grasp the idea of who God says he is as a father. But listen, just as we read a, a few weeks ago, he is a good father who gives only good gifts. And, and, and so we can come to him and those who have pure motives, those who are living out a pure religion, uh, contrary to a proud religion, are those who have a direct relationship with him as their father. It, it grows in a real relationship, not this distant God who I just do everything that he tells me to do, but I actually have a relationship with him and understand who he is and what he wants me to do. Therefore, because of that relationship, it flows out into action. It grows in a real relationship. Pure religion, it serves the need by going to it. Its service is, is uh, it, it goes, well, the word he uses is it, he, they visit. They, they move forward toward the need rather than away from the need. I, I'm going to go to the person who needs a need. Pure religion, it loves with no motive of gain. He says they go to the fatherless, to the widows. He talks later about, in the next chapter, respecter of persons, going and ministering to the one who has a lot to offer because they can give back. 
But pure religion doesn't do this. They serve everyone, even those who cannot give anything in return. Pure religion, it understands and shares the burden of these people, even in their lowest estate. He says, in their affliction, in their hard times. They're dealing with heavy burdens, and most people, when, when people are dealing with heaviness, most people run. It's hard to be around those with heavy burdens, with heavy hearts, with uh, hard times. It's hard to be around those people. And James says, those who have a direct line with God the Father, pure motives behind what they're doing in their Christian life, they, they don't shy away from those with heavy burdens. They run to them and they help them, even if they can give nothing in return. Even if it's the, the fatherless and the widows, even if it's those who don't have anything uh, to give me back in return, I go to them and I uh, share their burden in affliction. When most people are backing away uh, uh, from that heaviness, Christians should be the ones, the ones running to those with heavy hearts, running to those with heavy burdens. The Bible says, bear one another's burdens, and in so doing, he says, we fulfill the law of Christ. We fulfill the law of Christ by bearing one another's burdens. Those who are living out pure religion are helping those that uh, in their affliction. Pure religion, it's also an ongoing personal process. Uh, he, he says that uh, this is not just something that happens once. It's something you have to keep. That word keep is like, it's something you have to constantly guard. It's something you have to constantly be uh, focusing on. It requires sobriety and focus and determination to move forward. We continue to stay alert so that God will continue to sanctify us. We keep ourselves. And then pure religion examines ourselves rather than others. Oftentimes, proud religion will look to other people to point to the fact that we are as spiritual as we think we are. Pure religion doesn't examine ourselves compared to other people, but examines ourselves compared to the standard, which is Jesus Christ. Listen, we can all find people who are worse than us. In any, in, literally in any place, I can always find someone who is worse than me if I want to. But that's not the standard. Paul says those that compare themselves among themselves, they're not wise. The, the standard is Jesus Christ. If I'm looking to that standard, there's always gonna be something to work on. Always, always, always. And pure religion understands this and is constantly examining ourselves, not others. Pure religion guards his own heart and seeks a pure life. He says, unspotted. That we, I, I don't want to uh, be brought down in sin, as James says, don't err, my beloved brethren. Don't go there. Uh, make sure that uh, I want to stay unspotted. I want to stay clean before God. I want to stay pure. And then pure religion avoids the world. Now, it doesn't mean we go and live on a commune or a homestead far away from every single person who's not a Christian, okay? That's not what he's saying here uh, when he says that, that we're unspotted from the world, that we get away from the world. Uh, he's saying that their sin, their message, that I, I don't, and their values, I don't wanna think like the world thinks. I, I don't want to uh, have that mindset. I want to think like the Bible thinks. I wanna know what God says about this. So, he says, I, a, a pure religion is avoiding the world's system and, and their uh, thought process and going straight to the Father for his thought process. The, do you see the difference between these two, how the proud religion is, so, uh, is completely outward focused and, and the motive is completely uh, arrogant and, and, uh, and based upon what other people think of them, whereas a pure religion is solely in, uh, based upon what God thinks of me. 
and who I am before him. And then as a result of that, then outflows to other people, to the fatherless, to the widows, to people who even can't, uh, who can't uh, return the favor. That's how the pure religion uh, uh, funnels itself, is from a, a life of pure uh, living with God that then turns into those religious acts, those good works. Now, uh, I, it's all summarized very good in these statements, okay? And these are not original with me. <laughs> I, I got these from uh, a, a college lecture from Kerry Schmidt, uh, and I don't even know if they're original with him, but I'm giving him credit because that's who I heard it from. Uh, but he, he says this, okay? Proud religion, it looks to impress others, whereas pure uh, religion looks to examine themselves. Proud looks to incriminate others, whereas pure religion looks for personal growth. Proud makes an outward show. Pure starts with an inward need flowing to then work toward an outward need. Proud focuses on external tradition. Pure focuses on internal purity. Proud seeks recognition. Pure religion seeks private ministry and service. Proud religion betrays itself with an uncontrolled tongue. Pure religion reveals itself with its silent, unsung service. Proud religion believes himself to be right. Pure religion believes himself to be vulnerable. He, he says, I don't want to fall, is the pure, the, uh, pure man. Whereas the proud man says, look at me, I can't fall. Look at what I'm doing, I can't fall. And the pure man says, no, 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 I understand, I'm vulnerable. I've got to keep my heart with the Lord at all times. Proud religion uh, uh, is busy convincing himself and others of artificial spirituality, whereas a pure religion is busy giving himself to those with real needs. Proud religion sees who can feed his vanity, where pure religion sees who he can feed in affliction. Proud religion reaches out for a following or affluence, whereas pure religion reaches down into burdens and afflictions. Proud religion is defiled before God, and pure religion is seeking to remain unspotted before God. Proud religion corrects others, and pure religion corrects himself in accordance with the, uh, with the Father. Proud religion is betrayed by fruitless, powerless, empty results, no results, whereas pure religion is revealed by genuine ministry and needs being met. One man said it this way, impure religion reveals itself in two primary ways, a foamy mouth and a fruitless ministry. A foamy mouth and a fruitless ministry, whereas pure religion reveals itself in two ways, fervent service and a faithful walk. So let's examine ourselves. Before we even get to the ins and outs of it of what James is about to say in the next few chapters, examine ourselves. Am I living an outward show? Am I more talk with no fruit, or am I fervently serving those in real need and faithfully walking with my Father each and every day? Thank you so much for joining us. A special thanks to those that give generously to our ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. For more information about our ministry, check out our website at wenatchechurch.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends, Hit the share button or take a screenshot and share it on your social media. And tag us at Wenatchee Church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.